another episode of the Welsh Rugby Podcast. My name is Matt Southgate and I'm delighted to be joined by my fellow rugby writers, Simon Thomas from Cardiff and Ben James from Cape Town. Good afternoon, gents. Yeah, good afternoon. Congratulations to Benjamin, in shortlisted for the uh, Regional Sports Awards this year. Good oh, luck yeah. to him. He's a, bit, he's a bit of a serial entrant, isn't he? Entrant and serial winner. I haven't won anything since I won a, a book token when I was seven in Sunday school. They're not going to hurt me. Yeah, no, no, congratulations. I'm not, sure. I'm not sure about serial winner. I think um, <laughs> I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been compared to Leonardo DiCaprio twice this morning. It's the dinners you're in for, isn't it? It's the dinners. Well, <laughs> if there is one, I'm not sure if there is one. Yeah, I haven't checked. Yeah, there's lots of big ifs. It'll be it'll be a Zoom conference, won't it? No, never as fun. Speaking of which, um, we are of course talking to each other on Zoom by the power of technology. You are coming to us from Cape Town. Uh, how is it out there? What's the, you know, I, I suppose with COVID and all that, you can't really get much of a feel for the vibe, can you? Or you know, what's the kind of feeling around the tour out there at the moment? It's um it's bizarre. We were speaking at breakfast this morning that it doesn't feel like the Olympics is on over here because you're not seeing any of the Olympics. I said, well, it doesn't feel like the Lions tour is either. There's absolutely nothing out in the streets. It's dead. Um, Saturday, obviously first test day, you know, the sort of day when you'd expect to see so many fans around. I think I counted seven box jerseys and one Lions jersey. I was um, Paul from Bolton, who was just stood outside the stadium. God bless him. He's on a work visa over it just to see the teams come in. But that's the only Lions jersey I saw. It's um, it's a very, very bizarre sort of scenario, situation over here with just the lack of the lack of activity. I mean, it makes it quite nice for me because I get to go into nice restaurants every night without really having to book. But yeah, in, term, in terms of a Lions tour, it's, it's very bizarre. In terms of how people are watching it over there then, Ben, I mean... Are there any bars open where you can go? Is that, or is everyone just watching it in, in hotels or restaurants or at home? Well, Saturday would have been the last game under the old curfew because up until Sunday night, there was a 9pm curfew, so bars would be closing around 8 o'clock. And obviously the game Saturday night would have finished, yeah, it would have finished just after 8. So it would have been a bit tight in terms of watching I think this weekend maybe the you know the alcohol bans being lifted it might not be on Saturday though I think it's during the week but you know bars and restaurants they've been opening for the last two weeks so hopefully there will be a bit more of a sort of excitement around the second test um in terms of locals watching it uh, as groups but yeah it's uh, it's a it's a really bizarre thing out here you know we, we got a taxi back from the stadium after the game literally picked us up outside Cape Town Stadium and the first question he asked was, oh, what's, what's going on here? And it was like, well, it's, it's the first test between the Lions and the Springboks. This is the, you know, the thing that basically the country sort of mortgages itself on and the union mortgages itself on for the last 12 years. You know, the yeah. South African Rugby Union will have been relying on this for 12 years. Local businesses around Cape Town, you know, they'll have been sort of banking on this. So, yeah, it's, it's a really strange one. Mm, absolutely. Well, the tour, tour, of course, was supposed to be moving back up north at this point. So obviously going to stay down in Cape Town now at sea level for the final two test matches. How much of an advantage uh, is that for the Lions, do you think? Um, it's massive. I think it's massive. Uh, probably takes a little bit of an edge off Elliot Daly's boot in the 23. But in terms of, um, yeah, being at, being at sea level, you know, I think... When was the last time South Africa won a game in Cape Town? I think it was 2014. Really? 
potentially. They haven't played too much there in fairness, but they lost to England there in 2018. I think they lost to Ireland 2016. So yeah, the last time they, uh, as we seem to have lost Simon on the podcast, <laughs> the last time I think they won in Cape Town was 2014. So um, yeah, it's, it's a massive thing that all three tests are being played at the Cape Town Stadium. Yeah, well, let's hope uh, Simon rejoins us. But for now, we'll uh, we'll plough on. Uh, three changes I make it to the the Lions starting fifteen uh, from the first test. Start with Chris Harris coming in for Elliot Daly. Um, kind of felt like Daly was a bit of a you know bit of a scapegoat in some ways because of the way that the Lions played in that first half. I think they probably overplayed a little bit and put him in some dodgy situations and. Obviously, you know, Lucanio Arm is a, a very uh, tasty individual and, and gobbled him up. So, you know, what, what do you make of Chris Harris being the one uh, to come back in as uh, Simon rejoins us? Um, yeah, it makes, as you say, Daly was a scapegoat. I think, um, oh, sorry. Um, the way he played doesn't really suit the way this test series went. I don't think arm didn't make too many metres going forward either. It was just that sort of thing where there wasn't many metres to be gained in the 13 channel. So we saw Daly, you know, trying his best to sort of be a bit of a crash ball centre at 13. And, you know, he put in some good hits and he, he did some nice things, I thought, but it just didn't really get going. So bringing Harris in makes sense. But to be fair, you could have, I think which once you made the decision to take Daly out, you could have gone at any one, one of three ways, couldn't you? You, you bring Harris in for defensive solidity. Bring Farrell in to 12, Henshaw to 13 to sort of kick the leather off. Or you could have bring Bundyaki in as another sort of physical presence. So I wasn't sure which way they go. I think Harris makes sense. Do wonder whether maybe with Farrell they're sort of waiting to see what happens with Dan Bigger later in the week. But no, it's deserved for Chris Harris. Um, you know, he's fantastic in the Six Nations. Steve Tandy knows him very well in terms of what he can do defensively. And you know, it's it's going to come down to fine margins and and sort of in this second test. And I think having someone like Chris Harris there to basically be that defensive glue and that solidity in midfield is only, is only going to help the Lions. Yeah, I was uh, at Chris Harris's press conference yesterday. Apologies for dropping off. It is rather bizarre that Mr. Mr. James's internet connection in Cape Town is stronger than mine in Cardiff, but there we are. This <laughs> <laughs> is the joys of life in this job. I've tried another room now, so hopefully this will be better. Yeah, I sat in on uh, Chris Harris's uh, Zoom call yesterday, filled with Scottish journalists, as you can imagine. <laughs> and uh, I, I love the fact that his opening comment did include the words over the moon, which is nice. Some sporting cliches live on. But um, the one thing that was interesting there was he was he was asked, you know, about um, about what he's, what's expected of him. And, and he said he really hadn't had that much of a conversation with Gatlin which does suggest that that's very much Townsend and probably Tandy's department, isn't it? The attack and the defence, because if you look at it, Harris has been, he's been like the glue for Scotland, hasn't he, really, at 13 over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, and the, the credit he's tended to get is from an, a defensive point of view. But I've actually been quite impressed with him in ball in hand in this game, in this series. And obviously, the, you know, overall, there was the one, if you can call it blemish, where Cheslin Colby went outside him in the South Africa game. But he's not the first person that's happened to him, and he won't be the last. <laughs> Generally, his defensive game is very solid. Um, but then I go back to what Gatlin said in the team announcement press conference. He was, he was asked, what are you expecting from Chris Harris? And he said, we're expecting him to be direct. 
So, I mean, I did, I did find myself writing the words Warren Ball in the midst of that, of that uh, team review uh, because, I mean, he's been given a specific job to do. I mean, it's fair to say that Dale Andy and uh, the kind of, um, they did a big physical job, particularly on Dale. I mean, the, the stall was set out, Ben, wasn't it, with that very first hit from Am on Daly. It was a real rib, rib tickler. And um, it just wasn't one of those days for Daly. Gatlin himself said, because Daly essentially is a very attack-minded player, isn't he? You know, he's a wing fullback, bringing those attacking strengths to the centre. And he just said that the Lions couldn't get their attacking shape go, going. Now, the fact that they've, you know, he said he wasn't disappointed with, with Daly, but they couldn't get a shape. Now, the fact he's dispensed with Daly almost says, like, they don't have a huge confidence that they can get that attack in shape in order. So, really, they've gone back to very much the kind of game that, you know, Gatlin knows. Paul O'Connell was talking on a, on a podcast with uh, Sam Warburton this week, very interesting listen, and talking about playing under Gatland and saying it was actually really easy because within a couple of days, you knew what the game plan was especially on that 2009 tour. We all remember it was Jamie Roberts taking the ball to the line, isn't it? You know, and Driscoll working alongside him. And I guess this is what you've gone back to. I mean, uh, Harris will be given a job to take it up direct and to stop them coming direct. And if you look at this team overall, you'd probably say it's a tad conservative. And if you look at the way you, you can expect the Lions to play, it's going to be a lot of kick again. They've gone back to Murray. You know, who traditionally that's been a huge strength of his game, the cross, you know, the box kick in general. It was something he brought really well to the party in 2017. So there's going to be a lot of kicking, a lot of chasing, a lot of fronting up, a lot of tackling, a lot of carrying it up. And Gatlin himself said, oh, if we can keep it a 6 6, 9 9, stay in the game. Again, the words arm wrestle were used. You know, I'd love to be wrong, but I don't think it's going to be super rugby somehow. It's going to be knuckled down. Backside up, and uh, here we go. Full front, full frontal challenge, and that's the way it's going to be, I guess. Yeah, Ben, that's an interesting one. The the Ali Price, uh, Connor Murray selection as well. You know, Price wouldn't have been many people's picks to start the, the test series at Scrum Half before the tour, but I don't think there were too many gripes when he was named last week. Seemed to play pretty well, um, by and large. I don't think he did too much wrong. Um, finds himself on the bench now. Is that, you know, I know the Lions went down quite early. I think it was, it 12-3 at halftime? Um, yeah, yeah. Really weren't in control of the game at all. Um, is that just what, we, what we're what we seeing here with the selection of Conor Murray, just trying to make sure that the Lions don't let the scoreboard run away from them like it did last week? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, if you, if you look at Ali Price's game on, on Saturday, I thought he was very good. I think he did a lot of things good, but for 30 minutes, his kicking wasn't quite there. It wasn't on point. Uh, the Lions, I think, I can't remember the exact number, but it was something like 13 uncontestable kicks to five in the first half. And then that became something like eight to one or something in the, in the second half. I can't quite remember the exact figures, but mm. it took Ali Price about half an hour before he started getting his box kicks on the money. And I think maybe Gatlin just feels that they can't afford to, to really sort of give the box another half an hour head start in this test match. So in comes Conor Murray. Also, he did speak about, you know, Ali Price is a bit more of a lively scrum half. And if the game loosens up in the last 20 minutes, then he's the sort of guy to come on. I don't think it's going to loosen up. Um, Having seen the first test, I think it's going to be 
cagey for the full 80. And I think Ali Price will just come on and do the exact job that Conor Murray did on Saturday, which is just kick the leather off it into the sky, sort of live off the scraps from that and then just work off the field sort of position and territory. So I, I was shocked that Ali Price didn't retain his jersey, but you, you can kind of see why just because of that sort of slow start. The, the phrase Gatlin used, Ben, wasn't it? It was game management when he was talking yeah. about Murray's selection. Now, I, I recall, it was about 20, 25 minutes into the first half. There was one kick in, for, in particular from Ali Price. It just basically went up lateral, gave nothing to chase, almost came back on itself. They, they lost about 10, 15 metres from it, if I recall. Uh, and, and I think perhaps that moment will, will, will have stuck in Gatlin's mind and it, the feeling that he can't afford the, the Lions to have that kind of thing happening in the first 25 because he's very much expecting the box once again to try and build a strong lead. The only thing that's, you know, it's slightly odd about it is that Price had those couple of wobbles but then sorted it out. Yeah. So you you might have thought, well, that's what you ask a player to do, isn't it? Especially in his first Lions test match. You ask, you ask them to quickly find the, the, the way, find their feet. He did that and is doing the things that you want in terms of the box kicking game management and now loses out. But I guess there's just a feeling that for the first 30 minutes, he just wants that tactical control that he perhaps feels slightly more confident that Murray can deliver. And, you know, let's be fair, Murray was probably one of the finest players in the last Lions tour. He was absolutely pivotal to the Lions game plan. So he's a quality player. Um, And as you say, feeling is that when the game loosens up a bit, the likes of Price and the likes of Faletau as well, can come on and you know make the most of that situation, but yeah, a bit tough on Ali Price. But uh, they always say, don't they? It's a twenty-three man game, unless you're a Josh Adams, of course. <laughs> yeah, um, it's interesting though, isn't it, Ben? I think you know we look back over Gatlin's. You know, look at the twenty nineteen Six Nations, for example. They settled on in the end um, playing with the more sort of free flow and expansive style of Gareth Anscombe. And they were actually bringing Dan Bigger on more of the pragmatist to close games out. So I guess the philosophy there is that you you really take it to your opposition, get a lead, and then defend it. Um, you know, is this just a horses for courses thing or not? But it it yeah. seems like he's taken a different approach here, whereby you know, which is probably the more old school approach, I guess, is is you know, stay in the game, stay in the game, and then bring lively players on to try and pick off tired defenders. Yeah, I think I think that's the case. Um, simply because of who they're playing, you know, South Africa world champions, and that's largely because they start strongly. They they try to sort of build a scoreboard lead. They, they they sort of build scoreboard pressure, move a couple of points ahead, and then work on the basis that you're not going to pick them off in terms of their defence. So for Gatlin, it's a case of starting conservative. I think the reason, one of the reasons, sort of daily was dropped was perhaps not his own fault. I think that the Lions maybe got lulled a little bit with with what they they thought they saw against the box 18. You know, they they they, they had a lot of success with pulling passes back deep and, and finding depth in their back line. And then they tried to do that sort of off the bat on, on Saturday and the box defense swallowed them up. Mm. They also tried to spread it a lot when sort of they won turnovers, they tried to shift it. I don't think they're going to do that again because they nearly conceded about two tries from it. I think they're going to keep it very, very tight for 60 minutes. And in truth, I don't I don't even think it's going to open up when the, they un, uh, sort of unload the bench. I think Falatau will come on and he's not going to be the sort of Falatau we expect, you know, footwork in the wide channels. 
maybe a little bit to an extent, but it's going to largely be Falato there for his tackling work. I think Ali Price is just going to kick the leather off it. The way the way to beat the box is, is to stay in the arm wrestle and, and be conservative and basically kick because the, the one thing that they can't do at the minute is defend a kicking game because it puts their defence off kilter. And you're not going to put their defence off kilter any other way, really, in test row because it's just so physical and, and so smart. Yeah, so you know, Jackson calls Michael Vanapala coming in for Rory Sutherland. What do you make of that decision? I guess, you know, Mako did pretty well, I guess, by all, you know, all accounts. When he came on, the plan was good. He's on the field. You know, is that tough on Rory Sutherland or, or do you understand it? Well, it's a real turnaround, isn't it? Because I mean, Ben was reporting, you know, that uh, Gatlin was telling the anecdote of his first conversation with Marco Vunapolo when he linked up with the squad was basically, "You're not fit enough, mate." Mm-hmm. And, you know, and um, obviously, you know, it's been particular circumstances. It's been a year of COVID, and um, he's been playing for Saracens in the Championship, a different kind of level. Um, so I think it was in a, it was cast classic Gatlin, wasn't it? Sort of, uh, you know, he knows how these certain players tick. He's had Vunapolo before. And he probably knew which buttons to press, and it looks to have worked because you know he's really knuckled down in training by all accounts. He's got his fitness levels up. There was a lot of talk before the first test. Oh goodness me, no win Jones. How's that going to work when Malherb comes on and he's up against you know um, Vunapola? The idea that you know Mako past last year or so was had a few creaks in the scrum. Well, in fairness, you know he wasn't just under Mako, Ken Owens and Sinclair as well. But the scrum went really well. And there was one crucial penalty win at the scrum about 15 minutes from time. You know, and it, it was it was like the Mako of four years ago, you know. And you've got to remember, this is a guy that's played in now seven Lions tests. He played in all three in 2013, starting one. I think started all three in 2017. He's come off the bench in 2021. Now he's in from the start. I mean, he's been there and he's done it, you know. And it, it's, it's, there's a few instances with this team. But that's what Gatlin's gone back to, hasn't he? He's gone back to Murray from 2017. He's gone back to Vunapola from 2017 and 2013. He's brought Vuna, um, Faletau, starter all the way through New Zealand into the squad. Kept Daly, you know, who, you know, some people I think is perhaps a little fortunate to keep his place in the 23 ahead of Liam Williams, for example. And he's still there. So he's gone back to people who did it for him four years ago and sort of eight years ago as well. And then Vunapola's performances merit it as well. I mean, you have to say, hugely unlucky for Wynn Jones. You know, you wonder now if he is going to feature in this tour. When they talk about a minor shoulder injury and then the next week he's not available again. I don't know what you're hearing, Ben, but it's it's un- it's so unfortunate for him because he, he'd been the form lucid on the tour. He deserved to start the first test. You hoped he'd be back for the second. He's not. Um, but I guess that's what happens on tour. And the opportunities there now for Vunapola, and uh, you know, you will give everything. And you know, you know, that one thing with him, Vunapola, he's teak hard. He won't take a, a single backward step. And his performance coming off the bench last week, you know, makes you think, yeah, he's in good nick and he'll do a good job for the Lions. But as I say, so harsh on Wynn Jones. And what's the, what's the news, Ben? I mean, is he, is he going to be available next week, do you think? Um, it's a job to tell. So it's a, uh, a slight shoulder infection. Is is what's keeping him out. So he's on antibiotics. Um, quite quite how he's got a shoulder infection is is unclear. I had heard he'd, he'd sort of been taking injections for for the knock he's picked up to his shoulder. Um, 
the Lions are insistent they're not going to call someone out to replace him. So that's maybe a positive sign. Because if you think back before the test series, they called up Ronan Keller as a fourth hooker, simply so they had a plan in place that the box couldn't sort of take this series to uncontested scrums if it ever got that far. So if they're willing to call up a fourth hooker to sort of have that contingency plan in place, the fact that they're sort of reluctant to call up a fourth prop to cover Win Jones would suggest that they're confident he'll be available for the third test. But uh, I don't know. It's um, I think Xander Fagson's going to have a busy week of packing down on both sides of the scrum in training. Yeah, it's interesting. If you think back to the South Africa A game, when Wynn scored his try, you could see him wincing with his shoulder and holding it, carried on for a couple of minutes and went down straight away again. He was clearly in trouble. And he thought, well, that doesn't look very good. So uh, whether there's been treatment on that, which has been part of it, you, you don't know whether it's even if it's the same shoulder, you guess it is. Um, you know, shoulders are quite important for loose head props. And uh, especially one who sort of gets over the ball a lot as he does and carries cl- close range. Um, you just really hope that he he can get back for that, for that, um, Third test because you know he would have he would have joined a proud lineage you know the likes of Gethin, Adam Jones the great Pricey Dai Young you know as Lions Test props Prosser Howard Norris the list goes on you know and it, it's really it's a shame for him but um, as I say it's a cruel sport isn't it. I'm Sam Warburton, and you're listening to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Yeah, we've touched on it already, but I want to just allude to the the absence of Liam Williams as well, Ben. You know, we've 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 sat here, and it kind of feels to me, looking at the team that Gatland selected, this game is going to feel a lot like the World Cup semi final. It's going to be a lot of kicking. Um, you know, you hear him saying things like, "You know, we want to stay in the arm wrestle and things like that." Well, it's exactly what he said before the 2019 semi final. Um, you know, it was all about hanging on, staying in there and hoping that you back your fitness and you hope that something comes your way in the final 20. Um, for that reason, you know, you've touched on it as well. My attitude towards this would be, right, kick everything unless you're within 40 metres of the line. Like, do not play rugby anywhere near the halfway line. Don't play rugby in your own half. Just kick everything uh, and try and win the ball back. So for that reason, you'd have expected Gatland to pick the, the players who are best in the air. You know, I can't think of many players in the squad who are better than Liam Williams, and yet he's not in the twenty-three. What you know? What are we supposed to make of that? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, so I asked Warren about this uh, yesterday on Tuesday after he named the team. He said it was a very tough call. They considered picking him on the wing, but then it would have been a case, I guess, of who drops out. You know, Anthony Watson can play fullback as well as wing, so airily he's he's sound. Um, and Duan van der Merwe, I thought, was good. Airily, particularly in that second half when Ali Price tended to be kicking from the left-hand side of the field because that's where the kickoffs were coming. Van der Merwe got a lot of change out of Colby and Quagga Smith dropping deep and, and LaRue sort of causing disruption and allowing the Lions chase to sort of get on top there. So it, it is a tough one. I, I thought they might bring sort of Liam in for Van der Merwe, sort of go with the whole three fullbacks thing yeah. in the back three they they discussed that they they looked at Liam as a winger but they decided ultimately he's more of a fullback and they felt that Stuart Hogg had done enough to keep his place so then it comes down to a bench spot and I think they're probably just thinking who can cover more positions and and who can potentially have that kicking boot and and it's daily um it's, I suppose that's not an easy decision but I can understand at least why 
Gatland has, has has made it there. So yeah, I think once once he wasn't in the start in fifteen, I think his chances of making the the twenty three almost were even less simply because of the versatility the daily offers. But yeah, as you say, the li- the Lions are going to kick the leather off everything. Um, you know, you think back to the World Cup, New Zealand beat them. We nearly beat them. The only two teams that went at them with a real kicking game were the two that sort of had results. And, you know, that was a Wales team that had basically limped its way to the, the semi-final in terms of being the walking wounded with injuries. This is a Lions team that's at the peak of their powers in terms of physical conditioning. So they'll they'll back themselves to keep the ball off the off the pitch. You know, they only gave South Africa four lineouts on Saturday, which is massive to stop in the box. You know, do that again and they'll they'll have a hell of a shot on Saturday. Yeah. The thing that interested me, Ben, was reading your um your QA with Gatlin or the various kind of quotes he gave, was where he talked about they'd considered playing Liam on the wing. And now whether it was just the way it was phrased, but that almost gives the impression that they were viewing Liam as the next cab off the rank on the wing, perhaps ahead of Josh Adams and Lewis Rees Samuel. Or whether that was just them thinking about ways to keep him in the 23. It is the question I keep getting asked online, and it's a difficult one to answer. I mean, people just say, what has Josh Adams done wrong? Why isn't he involved? And the way that was phrased, you know, it wasn't a case of, oh, we were thinking about Liam or Adams on the wing. Because last week he said it was a very tight call on the wing between Adams and Van der Merwe. And raised the issue of, first, there had been an emotional week for the birth of Josh's first child and the couple of bangs he took against the Stormers. Well, we're a, we're a week further on now, so presumably those aren't issues. Yet he wasn't mentioned at all. I mean, it's one that people back here... Ben, I mean, struggling to get their head round. You're right there. Are you any closer to be able to give an explanation? Uh, none, none whatsoever. <laughs> uh, I, I'm none the wiser about what's happened to Josh Adams, why he's not involved. Um, not even mentioned. No, I think I think maybe the fact he wasn't mentioned was just simply because, in a strange way, it becomes less of a selection decision the second week round because the Lions won. Duan van der Merwe was solid, so... Gatlin was vindicated there. And then suddenly the story is that Liam Williams has dropped out of the 23. So Josh Adams is no longer sort of the main protagonist in this. So I think that's probably why he wasn't really mentioned. But yeah, it is still strange to to, to not see Josh Adams uh, in, a, in a test team. But I think I think Gatlin will be comfortable with with how his his wingers went. Eff- effectively his 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 wingers are there to be defensively solid and to, to chase. And and Duan van der Merwe did that really well. And I think that's why they thought about Liam because no, no one's going to chase an aerial ball better than him. So it's a, maybe that's sort of why Duan's continued to get the nod and, and Josh Adams hasn't really been mentioned in dispatches over here. The interesting one for me was kind of looking at it beforehand, the balance of the back line. Because clearly they like what Van der Merwe brings them in terms of his ability to carry in, into traffic. I think it's like five carries, 25 meters. And a lot of them were, you know, not running into space, but running yeah. into, into bodies and making making yardage. Now, I did wonder that obviously with Daly's position looking sort of, you know, under threat, if they perhaps went to Bandiaki, who's a very much of a carrier. You know, very much of a sort of bullet train using this, this Tokyo kind of uh, terminology, very straight up. 
whether that might change the balance of it and then they might feel if they've got that that they would leave the scope for bringing in Adams who's probably I think it's fair to say probably a more rounded wing you know in terms of perhaps his ability under the cross kick also his ability to pop up around 9 and 10 just great angles that he hits and his predatory nature and his sheer gas and his, his chasing you know but uh, although they talk about Chris Harris being direct it's at a 13 channel so you haven't got a real sort of essentially crash ball bang at 12 so they, I guess they they like what Van der Merwe brings in terms of his power and his yeah. physical carrying, and with the makeup of the midfield, they want to keep that in there. It's um, yeah, it's just t- it's tough on Josh. The way we, it's funny the way th- these things work, isn't it? Because you, you'd have, you'd have said after the first I don't know, four or five matches when you were looking at your absolutely nailed on Lions Test players, he'd have been in the first one or two or three, wouldn't he? Yeah, no, absolutely. But um, yeah, you mentioned Van der Merwe's physicality. Like I was watching the game back again this morning um, and, you know, there were times when he was sort of taking tip-on passes from Tom Curry as a sort of second forward almost. So that that's the physicality that, that Gatlin probably wants in his team. You know, meters are going to be at a premium against... The box, uh, you know, if you look at Maratoji and Alamin Jones, they manage 12 metres carrying between them. You know, you're, you're not going to get big gains. So I think having someone like Van der Merwe sort of running off off a forward like Tom Curry or, or you know, someone else or even Patoje or Alamin Jones, someone who can give a little tip on pass, that's the way that you're sort of going to get those soft shoulders against the box and, and making roads and probably milk penalties and that that's the game plan effectively it's it's not pretty it's not nice but it's it's getting territory it's getting the box defense scrambled without ever really breaking them down and and milking penalties out of them i think in fairness Matt, you know ben this this whole debate is perhaps a reflection that you know the back three was an, is a real area of strength in this squad isn't it this you know the fact that you know Reece Samet was shortlisted for six nations player of the year and really hasn't come in a discussion over the last couple of weeks and you know, in fairness, uh, there is a, it was a winning team. Um, you wouldn't say any of the three in the back three let themselves down. I think Watson, you know, he, he beat more box than any other player by some distance. Hogg, you know, made yardage both as a runner and with his kicking game. And we've talked about what Van der Merwe did. So you can understand the same again vote. I suppose the, the, the question is whether change in the back row back three rather a tinkering of the back three could have taken it to another level again particularly in an attacking sense but given the way it looks like they're going to play you can understand why they've done it so I'll probably answer my own question there if I'd I'd gone on tour scored eight tries and missed the birth of my first child to be there and then suddenly wasn't involved at all in the test series I'd be a little bit annoyed um we won't go back over that because I've heard my views on that selection policy before the first test, so we'll carry on. Um, Lazio Erasmus has been uh, very entertaining this week, chaps. Uh, he's been getting involved on social media after the games, uh, retweeting an anonymous account that has pointed out some potential infringements from the Lions that the referees missed in the, or the referee, sorry, missed in the first test. Uh, first of all, so si, what, what what do you make of coaches going onto Twitter and you know getting involved in this sort of stuff? Should it stay behind closed doors, or are you happy enough for for Rassi to to do what he wants on Twitter? 
So you're talking about Rossi now or Jacques Johan? Which one, which one am I answering about? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, I have to say, I mean, I attended the, uh, the Springbok, uh, attended, I was, I was on a computer in Cardiff. I, I, uh, I sat in on the Springbok's team announcement press conference yesterday and wasn't expecting it to be the most entertaining because, you know, although I'm sure he's a very good coach, Jack Nienbauer, he, he's not the most charismatic of figures and certainly not complacent to Rossi. But uh, happily, Mr. Erasmus decided to, who uh, was, of course, the director of rugby, former coach, he decided to uh, pitch up at the press conference. So I thought, here we go. And fair play to the man. He didn't, uh, didn't disappoint. He is absolute box office when it comes to the media. It was a, it was a quite a hilarious press conference in some ways because all the South African journalists, you know, they were they were avoiding any kind of contentious, generally any kind of contentious questioning or issues on the whole um, Twitter burner account or uh, Jacko Johan or anything controversial like that. It was all questions about the makeup of the bench and the, the strength of the number eight. But the uh, the British journalists were having none of that, and. Uh, it was Nick Simon of the Daily Mail who straight in said, Mr. Erasmus, are you Jaco Johan? You know, it's like I am Spartacus moment. It really was. And uh, it was quite funny because Erasmus um, said, well, this is why I've come to the press conference. I, I didn't want to leave Jacques having to answer these questions, my absence. And uh, no, I am not Jaco Johan. I am Razi Erasmus. Of course, Johan is the, uh, the Twitter account, which people have speculated might be uh, he might be behind operating Erasmus, but he denied it. He said that uh, Jaco Johan is a great supporter of the Springboks, very funny man. He's been sent some very good clips to me. You know, I enjoy what he does, um, but I know I'm just a water carrier. It was it, honestly, it was it was brilliant stuff, and he's, it, it went on in that vein. Really, I mean, he was. Uh, you know, he's great. He goes like, yeah, I like Warren Gatlin. He's a good guy. And then he started going on about how Gatlin, who didn't like the fact that Gatlin had made those comments about Marius Jonker. And then he really got into Clive Woodward and he was asked about uh, Sir Clive making a point and expressing his view that Erasmus should kind of step back and let his successor, Jacques, coach. And it was a brilliant put down for me about Woodward. He said, oh, I don't think Sir means quite so much in South Africa as it does in England, you know. And then he said, uh, "You know, I'm not interested in what Sir Clive Woodward has to say." You know, and it was, yeah, he was, uh, it was a real masterclass of, uh, well, a tour de force, by the way, a tour de force of a press conference. You had lines coming out of you, left, right, and centre. You didn't know where to start. I was speaking to the desk, and how many different lines can you get in the headline for this? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was good. But I mean, on the general point, sort of, should coaches go um, on social media? I just don't think we can say anything because we absolutely lap it up. Absolutely yeah. lap it up. We love it. And, you know, I suppose as long as you're not being derogatory or insulting, um, then I think anything which gets people talking about the game builds up the hype and interest between the first and second test. It's good for rugby, you know. I mean, was what Gatlin said regarding Marius Junker, what the Lions were inferring that Junker wrong. I think it's fair for them to have questioned the appointment of a non-neutral TMO personally. And I don't think that's a slur on Marius Junker. I just think that's questioning, you know, the, the kind of organisation of the tour, isn't it, really? Yeah. And the, the, I don't think there's an issue with that. Um, now, you then point to what uh, Erasmus did on his own account where he pointed to the incident where Makovunapola lifted Colby, Chesney Colby up off the deck after Colby had gone down in a collision. 
it's probably a fair point, isn't it? You wouldn't you wouldn't generally advise rugby players to pull up someone who's on the deck having taken a bang. So you can, you know, I don't think there was anything outrageous said on either side. And let's be honest, what have we been talking about? We haven't been talking about, you know, oh, we're going to bounce back. It's been juicy, juicy stuff, hasn't it? And it's kept us busy. Oh, and then guys asking up about Razzy Erasmus and his Burnett Twitter account, alleged Burnett Twitter account, which he denies. We should uh, we should point out. Um, talking about his team selection, though, Ben, um, they changed both props. So Kitsop and Malherb start. Uh, and also Visa comes in at number eight for Quagga Smith. Uh, first of all, the props. Now, there's a lot of debate about the props. Um, you know, didn't really fire, didn't really have the impact that they were supposed to. Um, I even listened to a podcast with Adam Jones the other week, uh, the other day, saying that Malherb is doesn't look like the player that he was at the World Cup. Um, you know, what what do you make of that decision? And and I guess as well, we should be expecting a bit of a backlash in that department. Yeah, well, they they built it up so much last week. You know, the fact that their best props were on the bench. And when when the box got the shove on the Lions at the, at the start of the match, you, you almost thought, well, you weren't surprised because if you were those props starting that match, having basically been told all week that you, you're, despite starting your second best, it's the perfect motivation. And then, you know, when when the big names came on, Mal Herbin kits off, it all went to pot a little bit. So maybe this week they'll sort of have their own motivation to come back. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because they, they they did struggle in the second half. You know, I think um, Tyke Furlon got some joy out of them. And, and when Mako came on, he certainly did. And, and Kyle Sinclair won a crucial penalty, literally with his first scrum. And that was basically the South African bomb squad defuse. So they've probably switched back to to, to what they know in this sense, and it's just whether it delivers now. But the the one that really interests me is is Quagga Smith at the back of the scrum, and sort of is his demotion, and and the fact that Jacques Nienaber has, has basically taken full blame for it in terms of of what he sent him out tackling. Obviously, they're without uh, Dwayne Vermeulen, which is a, a massive loss. Um, I think if you're being honest, you'd probably sort of take and see a Khaleesi missing out had you had Vermeulen back if you're a box fan simply because of what he does defensively um, the way he sort of organises the defence he's the defensive leader so much of their defensive work comes from what he does around the sort of pillar and post positions of the ruck Quagga Smith's an open side who isn't a traditional box number eight you know big powerful and it was just a, a sort of thankless task for him and I think he he made some nice carries he, he made sort of one little sort of breakdown the touchline when Van der Merver and Elliot Daly sort of overchased from a kickoff but it was just just a sort of a, a thankless task and they, they've sort of reverted to type now with um, with with what they know now with a big number eight um, so how that goes it'll be interesting to see you know they've got the 6-2 as well on, on the bench potentially they've got a bit more lungs uh, air in their lungs sorry after a, a test match to sort of get through a little bit and they'll last a little bit longer in the arm wrestle but the pressure's all on this bomb squad now showing what, what it's made of yeah so, sorry what do you make of the 6-2 split should, should we be feeling like this is going to this is a little bit ominous are you 
you worried about what sort of backlash the South Africans might bring? It was interesting in terms of the explanation why they didn't do it last week and why they kind of reverted to it this week. I mean, essentially, it was because a couple of their backs had been among the group who had to you know, isolate post-COVID, hadn't had much rugby, hadn't had limited training. And I think they were wary of going into it with just two backs as a result. So they went to a more traditional 5-3. Now, I guess, with a week away from isolation, more training time, they feel comfortable. It's a big ask for Villemesse, isn't it? You know, it's covering virtually the entire backline by the look of it. But it does allow them to go back to what was so successful for them at the World Cup. And, you know, it is difficult. But then again, I suppose, you know, we all talked about how their front row off the bench was going to make a massive difference last week. And it did, but not a very good one. You know, let's be honest. Um, I think it was interesting watching Ox and Che. I remember watching him for the Cheetahs when he was starting out playing in, in, in Pro 12, Pro 5, four, four years ago. Looked a real talent, that a young kid. Progressed there to Super Rugby and now into Test Rugby. And he was playing really well. And it's a it's a blow to lose him to an injury. You, know, you wouldn't have thought that bringing Stephen Kitsoff in would be a blow because, you know, he's been one of the, probably the best performing international props over the last five years. But yeah, and... I guess he and Malher will have big points to prove now, won't they? You know, they're both coming in, both starting. Didn't go well for them when they came on. Um, but I think there is this whole thing, isn't there, that you know, they're in, they've got another week's training under their belt. Um, you'd expect them to be more up to speed. It's the selection of Jasper Visser is the one that really interests me as well. I watched a lot of him play for Leicester in the Premiership. Um, Nearbar talked about his stats and, you know, he is... An absolute machine in you know, South Africa, you know, their number eight. That was the thing that was weird, wasn't it, a bit last week? They got so many outstanding eights over the last few years. And you think of Vermeulen, Marcel Kutz here, you know, the guy at the sale as well, the Pries and Visser. And yet they ended up really with a seven playing a position and it, and it didn't work. Now, as Ben says, they've gone, they've reverted to the old traditional oomph of a South African number eight. And uh, he's going to be a big, big, challenge for the Lions to curtail, curtail because based on his form for the Tigers, he's a real menace. Fine. Mm. Right, time to uh, put our nail on colours to the mast. Ben, how do we see this one going in terms of a prediction? Um, I think the Lions are going to wrap up the series this weekend. I don't think it's going to go to a final weekend. Um, Simon there talked about, you know, it's another week for the South Africans to sort of get up to speed. Speaking of Warren Gatland on Sunday, he spoke to the press over in South Africa and he sort of raised the point that there's not a great deal you can do conditioning-wise in a week. You can only sort of top up what you already have. You can do the sort of, you know, top-ups and extras, but all that conditioning work, that's done long, long time ago. And if, if you know, you know... It's going to be a tough job for them to sort of turn things around in a week. I think the Lions will just put so much emphasis on starting this match well. Um, they'll sort of kick the lead off the ball, I've alluded to many times. And, and for me, what's crucial is they got parity in the scrum in Cape Town and they got a, a relative form of dominance um, in the line-out more. They milked penalties like it was all too easy in that second half, you know, watching it back, some of the things that Alan Wynne-Jones was doing to sort of draw penalties from Peter Steff to Twat, you know, it, it was fantastic to see stuff like that. Just little sort of details that help them get on top. They, they do that again on Saturday. They they get penalties from phase play, which they did when their kicking game worked then. 
yeah, I, I see the Lions wrapping this series up, probably by the same margin. Um, I, I thought the Lions <clears throat> were tremendous in the second half last week, because I spent, and as much as anything, because they beat the box of their own game. They won the aerial contest. They got on top in the driving lineouts. That you know, the two things we really feared from from the box, and also crucially, they turned things around in terms of discipline. You know, they were found wanting a bit in that front in the first half, paid the price. Second half, they were squeaky, squeaky clean, and they put the pressure on the box to, to draw their penalty. So they did really well, but they did also, to a certain extent, ride their luck. Um, certainly, with the Hamish Watson incident, he was very fortunate to avoid a card, a yellow card, potentially red, probably more yellow. Didn't get anything, just a penalty, and to kind of rub salt in the wounds. Pollard missed the penalty kick. Um, that would have been absolutely crucial, you know, being down to 14 men. And then obviously there was the the, the um, tries disallowed. I think probably they got the decision right in the end for the first try, but for the wrong reason. You know, it was very, it was whether it was clear enough that um, Larue was in front of Lacanam when he when the kick came through. I'm not sure, but I think it was a forward pass before that. A little bit fortunate, maybe with a knock on. So. Just slight rub of the green went the Lions' way. Um, I just feel that the box have got more of a representative feel to their pack with V certain number eight. I think I, I also think it's going to be absolutely ferocious. It does. I do have the feeling of Pretoria 2009, which is one of the most brutal games of rugby I've ever seen. It was like casually Ward 10. Um, I think they'll just come at the Lions with such ferocity. Uh, it, it could be one of those, you know, where the box really blow the Lions away a bit, or it could be what Gatlin's talked about—a six-six-nine-nine and then down to the wire. Latter is probably more likely. I just think that on the balance of the first game, the way rugby goes, I see the, the Springboks marginally coming out in front. And let's be honest, from my point of view, they'll keep going. Things going nicely for the third week, wouldn't they? No, 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 no. I want to. I want to do. I want. I want to do some. You're not on the beach. You're not. You're not going on the beach. No, uh, Camps Bay is not for you. All right. Um. Oh, cool. Well, we'll leave it then. Whoa, 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 whoa. What about your prediction? Uh, my prediction. Uh, my prediction was one point off last week. Might I add? Um, before we get started, but. Uh, I probably, I probably edging towards the box. Um, I think, I think they've probably got more growth in them than the Lions have. Um, I thought the Lions played very well second half, but you know, I think South Africa will probably feel like they didn't make it difficult enough for the Lions. Um, you know, I'm expecting a serious reaction from the South African side. Um, you know, if they can cut their discipline down. They won the first test. So, you know, if, if they've got that in the back of their minds, um, you know, it's, um, it's probably going to improve from their point of view. Um, like you said, like we've touched on, the two guys starting are going to really have a point to prove. You know, and I think if that goes badly for the Lions, then uh, I think it's a bit of a, it's a bit of an ominous sign. And yeah, I just think there's going to be a reaction from the Springboks and, they've got more room to grow in this series. And now I worry a little bit because, you know, Gatlin's spoken about the fact that there'll probably be dangers for the second, third test, sorry, if the Lions lose. You know, and if we're alluding to someone like Josh Adams suddenly being thrown into it in the third test, it's a bit like, well, you know, you haven't played for three weeks, but yeah, you go against the world champions, put everything on the line, all the best. It's, you know, yeah. 
the shrewdness. I don't. I don't. I don't buy that. I think. I think Gas is saying that simply to sort of give give the dirt trackers a bit of hope. Yeah. They whatever happens, they got a chance, and whatever happens, sort of the, the first team isn't isn't settled. Um, I just think Ben that the box looking at this, they can probably pay, play it in more different ways. It just it feels like the Lions have nailed their colours to the mask in terms of physical. Stay in the arm wrestle, six six nine nine, fronting up. It, it doesn't look like it's in their mindset to play it in a wider way. Yeah. Whereas I, I just think, think you, when you look at the weapons that South Africa do have out wide, if they decide to go that way, and if you look at it, when the tries that they came close to scoring, they were both when they, when they made big inroads down the left-hand side, and the Lions did look a bit vulnerable in that area. So, I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. I, just feel, I just feel like a match is the right word, a reaction, and I, I suspect that will lead to a box win. I think that's the best way they'll have to play. I think I think they might have to play wide, wide, spread it, try avoid the toe Jay and, and Alan Wynn and Courtney Laws in the middle of the pitch, sort of disrupting you. Um, which ironically was the way that Razi Erasmus was going to play against Wales in the semi-final before he changed tack at the last minute. And if One, the, the Cape Town Stadium pitch cuts up as it does, the scrum's going to be worthless anyway. One quick question I did forget to ask you is if Curry goes off, who goes to open side? Um it's Falato, isn't it? I don't. I don't think. Not that. Not, I don't know that Conan can play seven. You can. You can mix it up, then, can't you? You can. You can have Falato sort of cover open side, but on the scrum, you can sort of change it up. And if you want Falato there, at the, the they can. They can go a couple of different ways with with that. Maybe Ken Owen. Yeah, Ty Ty Burns on the bench as well, so they could potentially look at doing something with him. Well, there we are. There we are. All right. We'll all fun and games. All fun and games indeed. All right. Well, as we've touched on, well, as, as I'm sure you all know, listening at home, the Lions' second test is fast approaching, coming on Saturday. Kickoff is five o'clock UK time. Um, there'll be plenty going on between now and then, but to catch all the build up to the test match and all the live updates and reaction on Saturday, stay right here on Wales Online.